Hello and welcome to Eureka on Monocle Radio, brought to you by the team behind The Entrepreneurs, the show all about inspiring people, innovative companies and fresh ideas in global business. I'm Tom Edwards. Today's programme is a symphony of success. Jasper Parrott's a music industry veteran who's spent more than five decades shaping the careers of some of the world's most renowned artists. He's the executive chairman of Harrison Parrott, one of the biggest names in classical music and performing arts. The London-based talent management agency was founded in 1969 by Jasper and the late Terry Harrison and soon became an industry leader, both in the UK and internationally. Today, the business manages more than 200 artists globally and has staff in London, Paris, Munich, Madrid and Beijing. Last week, the group announced it will become an employee ownership trust, placing the future of the company in the hands of its more than 100 employees. For his part, Jasper has stepped aside as Chief Executive Officer. Whilst he'll continue to very actively shape the direction of the business, the CEO torch has been passed to one of his daughters, a long-standing member of the team. So, how do you continue to innovate and to navigate new challenges and opportunities, having shaped the vision of a business for more than 50 years? Well, here is Jasper, a true pioneer in the music industry, with more about the ongoing evolution of his career and insights into how his journey began. I'm Jasper Parrott, the executive chairman and therefore chief executive of Harrison Parrott, which I was involved right from the very beginning, 54 years ago, as co-founder, and which I have been the sole directing owner for the last something like 40 years. I was very passionate about music when I was very young. I left Cambridge and I started work with a very prominent agency at that time and I worked quite soon with some very, very important artists, although I was very young and very inexperienced, but I did have one, I think, important asset was, first of all, that I had quite a lot of experience for my years in terms of being in places where great music was performed and meeting artists who were really very, very important in their time and in their area of operations. And at the same time, I knew enough about music to be able to talk to artists, even though they were often very, very much senior to me. And so over the next few years while I was working there, and that's where I also met my later partner, Terry Harrison, we developed a very clear view of the fact that there was a need for a very radical change in the view of what actually management needed to be from the point of view of the artist. And I think this was the great change, and I think we were in that respect quite radical because we saw that what we needed to do was to consider and develop and articulate the point of view of the artist and to do our utmost to represent that and develop it from his or her point of view, not from somehow a sort of ship of state which artists got on or got off. Actually, that was really, in the end, the core of the reason why Terry and I left was because actually we could not convince the very distinguished elderly head of that company that times were changing and there needed to be a new way of thinking about this and acting for artists. And so when we started, we started on absolutely from the beginning the idea that we would create a very different type of management and we would be much more involved intensively in the aspirations of artists. We would understand much better how they wanted to 
present themselves where the areas of their special expertise, special interests, their passions. So that was really the beginning and we started off very small. We started off completely broke. But we gradually started to, because of the quality of the artists and I think because we were seen to be very energetic and very, very creative, we got widespread attention and we started to do well and then better and then we started to be very international, which has always been one of my great aims and goals is that we should see this not in some local and national sense, but that an artist's career, a great artist's career, should be seen and should develop into a great international, global network of audiences and of connections, and it should be something which is really an important possession for everybody. I'm looking very much now to the question of how the ongoing dynamic of this company can be secured and can be, in a way, enhanced over the next period of years as I will gradually change my role from being involved with really every aspect of the running of the business more to concentrate on the artistic, the sort of talent development side of the business, which I feel is actually what I was always best at. One of the paradoxes about you know, thinking about the latter part of a very long career is that I am now actively involved in very major projects 10 years in advance. So I'm thinking now about how things should form and what the opportunities are for some of our, for many of our artists, but one or two particularly. And I'm thinking about what will it be like in 20 35 for these artists and how things will be changed. How do I actually imagine the continuing fulfillment of their qualities, their talent, their dreams, their expectations so far ahead? And the other thing is, of course, I would like to still be a part of that experience, but I'm realist that, of course, there will come a time when I will be able to do less. I'm 79 now. I'm fortunate I have very, very good constitution, very good health. I'm hoping that I can play a very useful role for many years ahead without getting in the way of people who will also have their own sort of trajectories and their own capability of empowering artists in the future. But what do I do now? I mean, I'm sort of known to be still probably traveling more than almost anybody in our sector. And I mean, this summer was in some ways a disaster because I was just traveling almost all of the time. But on the other hand, I don't regret it at all because first of all, I heard some absolutely wonderful performances. I met a lot of brilliant and fantastic artists. I talked about lots of projects, plans with very important presenters, festival directors, thinkers, not enough of them, around both Europe and, and, and more widely. And I also was able to get a sense of, if you like, the challenge that is facing our whole sector. It's not just the classical music sector, but the, I think, the big problems that we're faced with, one of which is leadership, lack of leadership, lack of recognition of the fact that everything is going to change in the next 10 years. And I think still, a failure to address the key issues of the value, the purpose of 
a creative life and of the creative world in which we live because it's not just for itself. It's a part of human life and societal importance. And if we don't engage with those issues to a much more high-profile way, in a much more risk-taking way, there will be inevitably serious restrictions and reductions as all of the other complexities of life start to um, crowd in on the capability of people to do really serious work. Well, I mean, it's a combination of what you might call just observation, learning about what is actually happening, and then thinking about to what degree we can make useful contributions and to what degree actually the way that music and the arts and performance are organized are in themselves blind to what has to be done in order to address issues of the ever more pressing issues of climate and of, in a way, also of access, because this is all connected. And I think that we, well, one of the things which is very, very gratifying is that we find that within our company and also within the artists, that many of the much younger people are very, very engaged with this. And there is a lot of, I wouldn't say pressure, but there's a lot of encouragement upwards in the organization from people who feel that they will only feel well and comfortable in working in an organization if these topics are really significantly part of the DNA of the organization. And that is something we are thinking about and working on all day. I think we have to be also realistic because it doesn't help anyone to suggest that somehow nobody can travel by plane anymore because apart from anything else, that's very restrictive. Why should people who live in remote communities not have access to the things that are on our doorstep? And you can only realistically think about that in terms of actually travel by plane for obvious reasons. And nobody's ever going to stop international air traffic. But what we can do is to think about how we can rationalize that, how we can not be wasteful, not be sort of unstructured about the way we're doing. And I believe that the answer is more than anything else, not related directly to it, but it's to do with partnerships. We have to collectively think about solutions to these things, and we have to engender an engagement for wider audiences and wider communities so there's much more sharing rather than all of these sort of individual events and activities going on around the world which don't link up and are often duplicating and, and so on. So that's, that, those are the areas where we are very much engaged. That was Jasper Parrott, co-founder and executive chairman of Harrison Parrott. You can learn more about the group and its work by heading to harrisonparrott.com. And that's all for this episode of Eureka. We'll be back at the same time next week. Do look out for The Entrepreneurs. The main programme is available every Wednesday. Eureka was produced by Laura Kramer with mixing and editing by Jack Dewars. You can listen again and find out more at monocle.com or follow us and catch up with the archive via your preferred podcast platform. To get in touch, email Laura. She's on lrk at monocle.com. I'm Tom Edwards. Goodbye, and thanks for listening to Eureka. Eureka.